News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC. Tuesday afternoon, Donald Trump has not come to New York to be charged. That's the latest dog that is not barking. I'm Harry Siegel here with Christina Greer to talk about some of the stuff that is happening here in the only place in the world. Um, (laughs) A couple of highlights to take off from the news and we're jumping right in. Um, The NYPD is now routinely disregarding the findings of the CCRB or Civilian Complaint Review Board uh, with the New York Times reporting that Commissioner Sewell as the last word on punishments is now dismissing more than 50% of the substantiated cases brought to her. Um, the NYPD is saying, ah, oh, they got there too late. There's a statute of limitations, uh, but that clearly does not seem to be so. This is happening as the NYPD is paying record overtime, dealing with massive attrition and people leaving. And I think the commissioner may feel like she needs to soothe the feathers of the uh, cops who are still there, in part by not disciplining them for bad things they've been substantially found to do. Uh, there's a big fight over Medicaid Advantage. Uh, the city wants to save $600 million a year. Some labor leaders are on board, including at the biggest unions, because some of that money would go to their members, active members, in the course of wage increases. Retirees are furious. They say it would be, uh, I believe the technical term is a much shittier plan um, that violates the state constitution that says you can't take stuff away from them. Uh, this all gets murky, uh, but it's uh, uh, something that matters tremendously to the members involved and to some extent is splitting retirees from active members, although active UFT members are now circulating a petition to fight this plan that the UFT boss Mike Mulgrew supports. Uh, Weagle Weed, still a mess. Uh, Donald Trump, still not here. Uh, libraries, still looking bad if this budget happens. We've been through this dance before. But, uh, you know, we're talking about losing a lot of Saturdays uh, if uh, Eric Adams cuts go through. Um, Chrissy, where are we at? And have you been to we love NYC dot NYC <laughs> to, to, to look at the weirdo logo and ask them why that website? Right. So you you gave us a lot to think about, Harry. You know, I've been thinking about. NYPD and this overtime pay and how they're on track to sort of have this record overspending of overtime. So, you know, when people want to leave, I'm sort of like, all right, then bounce. You know, if you don't want to live in the city where you work, then all right, like we'll recruit other people. Like if you look at the data, you know, yes, crime is sort of inching, but it's nowhere near sort of the histrionic conversation that Republicans are having and folks are just, you know, um, sort of chicken littling about. So, I do believe that we should have some sort of provisions for police officers to work in the city because I think that that would help with community policing. I think it would help for a large percentage of police officers to actually see the people they police as human beings. So this kind of like, you know, Long Island, um, live in Long Island, work in the city, you know, don't pay taxes that contribute to the communities you police. I'm not with it. Like, I do think, you know, there are a lot of places where teachers have to live within the city limits. And I think police officers and firefighters should, too. Yes, we can think about housing structures. And, you know, we figured it all out with the GI Bill and, you know, we put a man on the moon. We can figure this out. Like, let's not do it. But I think that there's a real racial component to this idea that, you know, kind of, I'm just going to say it, white cops who don't live in the city policing black and brown people and not seeing them fully as human. And then we get all this overtime pay. No, thank you. So, 
that to me is a priority that I actually, you know, if I had my my way of the world, if Chrissy Greer sort of ran things, that would be like priority number one through ten. Making police environment living here. Because yeah. The police commissioner, Ichansua, who's a black woman, lives just across the Queens border in mm-hmm. Nassau County. We should note she was there working for the police there when she took this job. Uh, I understand not wanting to move in those circumstances, can respect that, but it does make it more difficult. However, I have a solution that would fix so many problems and help Kathy Hochul with her quite possibly DOA housing plan. And it's very simple. We should have a conquest of Long Island. (laughs) No, thanks. I'm I'm good. (laughs) Conquest and expulsion? I mean, let's we can just be separate and you know, separate. Like I just view Long Island as like Jersey. It's like you're there, but I'm not really thinking about you too tough. Except for in they the summertime beaches, when though. I except for when the summertime when I roll through and I need you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that police and fire actually should live within the city limits. And I think that the tax structure should represent it. But you know, this ballooning of the overspending on overtime for me is just you know, it's like people rig the system. So either we figure out how to pay police officers a proper living wage so we can also recruit and attract high quality individuals who want to do this. Um, but however people are gaming the system for overtime is just egregious. And to add insult to injury, what New York City taxpayers are consistently paying into when police officers behave badly. And like, yes, we should pay families for bad police behavior. I fully agree with that. But I don't like the fact that like New York City residents are paying for bad NYPD behavior, and the cops themselves don't even live in the city. Like, make that make sense for me. $375 million for overtime mm-hmm. budgeted this year. City on pace to spend $740 million and change. And you know That's what the problem dough. is, Harry? Part of that money that we're spending on overtime, because we need police so badly, if you kept the libraries open... And we wouldn't have some of this problem. It's all linked together. I mean, this is why I really want Eric Adams to come on the show. Because when he was, right before he ran for mayor, remember when he came on the show and we asked him some questions that, you know, came back <laughs> when he was running for mayor and, and he was on the stage and, and didn't really like it. But so much of the stuff is interconnected. When he was talking about his Desmond Tutu quote about, you know, pulling people out of the water and let's go to the top of the mountain and get the source. And why are people falling in the river in the first place? It's like people fall in the river when they don't have libraries. We run out of money paying triple overtime because we got to keep pulling people out of the river and we have to keep paying cops extra money to pull them out of the river. But if we ran to the top of the mountain, which Eric Adams said we should do, I'm following the mayor's orders here and I've listened to what he said and I respect it and I understand it because this is, you know, sort of a long tradition of sort of civil rights activism and sort of thoughtful, um, I would say, community structuring, why wouldn't we spend more money on the front end, i.e. education, i.e. libraries on a Saturday or making sure they don't close at three o'clock when kids are coming out of school, like, or making sure that they have libraries. But we know so many kids, you know, our generation, Harry, we had tapes, (laughs) VHS you know, we were like going to Blockbuster. That's like a hot Friday night, you know? Like, these kids are digital natives. They understand computers. They are basically half computer themselves. So, like, we need to make sure our libraries have iPads they can check out, computers they can use, you know, trained librarians to help not just answer questions, but kind of monitor how people look things up, you know? And, like, 
sort of have those guardrails in place. The same way we sort of spent rainy Saturdays flipping through encyclopedias, kids can do that on the internet in a safe way in a library where there are sort of guardrails in place with someone who can sort of, you know, give them guidance. And, you know, so many of us and discovered air conditioning for the human new side, authors right? or new interests and, and air conditioning, right? And so many of us discovered something new that we're in love with just because we're flipping through a book or in, in this generation's case, flipping on the internet, right? In a controlled way. And yes, air conditioning is real. And we know that, you know, sometimes you have people who do not want to be in the shelter system. So they come to the public library. We hear stories about that here and there. So like, yeah, then maybe all this 730 million that you just mentioned in this overtime pay, maybe we can think about shelter systems. Maybe we can think about mental health services. Maybe we can think about extra funding overtime. I don't know, for librarians, right? Let that be a crazy idea. I just think that this creative reimagining is possible. And I think that so many candidates talk about it, but when they become elected, it goes out of the window and it's status quo. Got to check the numbers, but I'm pretty confident we could have five boroughs because there's three library systems, the Triberry system. The right? Triberry. We could have all the branch libraries and the whole system open on Sundays for what we're paying over budget, not the total amount, police overtime. Uh, and maybe like a joint for each citizen on top of that. Right. I don't know. Right. It's a lot of money. I mean, or it's we could just do something life. radical and like tax all these rich people who live in New York and make them pay their fair share. And maybe we could fund our libraries too. How about that? I'm meant to that. And, and while you're doing that and, and the real work, I'm going to hack We Love NYC.NYC <laughs> with the extra big, sort of silly heart. I'm sorry to tease. And I'm going to replace it with the new slogan Christina Greer just offered, which is very future weirdo, flipping on the internet in a controlled way. Right. You know, and listen, I think our listeners know this. I'm very sensitive to font. You know, I don't like to read the Financial Times because I don't like the color of the paper and I don't like the font. It took me forever to learn how to read the Wall Street Journal because I just don't like the font. So and library really tie-in, all the libraries banned the FT because the uh, pinkish color made them think that it was pornography as opposed to Board oh, interesting. Look at you Back being in an insider calling the FT. <laughs> um, P.S. Though I do love the font of the Brooklyn Li Brooklyn Public Library. Whoever redid that mm -hmm. did a great job. Um, you know, Harry, this, you know, when you brought this to my attention, this move from I Heart New York, which is very iconic. You know, you see people in Paris or, you know, Venezuela wearing these T-shirts that say I Heart NY. And now we're moving to We Heart NYC, trademark. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we spending money on this? Like, I like the font. I like the typeset. It's classic. Like, who woke up and was just like, we have all these issues. <laughs> Let's change this iconic thing that makes New York, New York, and like update it, I guess. I mean, I guess it's moving from a singular to a plural. We're moving from New York to NYC to make it more specific. But I like the fact that it's New York because, again, it's inclusive to the Long Islanders. It's inclusive to the Westchester folks. It's also inclusive to Buffalo, Rochester, Schenectady, Oswego, Oneaga. Like, you know, you name it. Let's just move all up to Niagara Falls. I mean, why are we moving it to just NYC? Because so many people in New York rep New York. And it's like, all you have to do is say New York and we'll figure out where you're from. It's 30 million of us. Like... To me, this just seems like we're we're dwindling down the inclusivity, and I don't I don't really like that. I, I feel you. So I have to say the the they say 
the partnership and the city office, the the We Heart NYC is an approved adaptation of the famous Milton Glaser design, I Heart NY, which is owned by the New York State uh, Department of Economic Development. So that made me recall, that's from like the 70s, that uh, Milton mm-hmm. Glaser updated 1977. that. 1977. Yep, yep, uh, you're the Harry. He <laughs> updated that in late 2001 after 9-11. You remember with the I Heart mm-hmm. NY more than ever? And there's a little mm-hmm. black at the corner of the heart. So I just threw that into the Google, and the first thing I see is that poster, sales estimate 150 to 200, result $1,000. And then in fine print at the bottom of the poster that just sold for $1,000, be generous. Your city needs you. This poster is not for sale. Ow. Oh, Dios mio. I just, sometimes I wonder, who is in charge? Do I need to be in charge? I really don't feel like being in charge. I don't have time to be in charge. But like, I just don't understand some of these decisions that are being made on local, state, and federal level. Like, I, I just, like, I, I get why they want it to be property of New York City, sure. But so many people who live on the outskirts of the five boroughs still claim NYC. So I don't know. I mean, I guess we could fight over larger things than this, but it just seems like kind of a waste of money. Like, and a waste of efforts. Like, let's just, if we're going to do something, let's just do something new. Let's do something iconic. You know, let's create a new sort of Glazer-esque, not just kind of what feels like a knockoff plural version. Speaking of knockoffs and busters and bad things and the leaders we get. All right, man. Who said busters? I'm just saying, I, I'm so old, I recall Donald Trump calling what we now know to have been at least three officials in Georgia being like, hey, just find me some votes for this yeah. election, yeah. which is a real recent bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm so old, I remember Manhattan District Attorney, Mr. Bragg, thank you for coming on this podcast several times, um, but uh, him saying... He was going to judge this case as it came in. And I'm seeing now, having turned down this case he inherited from this guy Pomerantz, who then wrote a book like all these busters do, he now has a case that appears to be about the weed two charges against Trump that's going to jump ahead of the Georgia case that's about Stormy Daniels, NDAs, uh, the 2016 election, maybe just ahead of the statute of limitations, like a bizarre, untested theory in which the misdemeanor becomes a felony because it was also an undisclosed campaign donation and your star witness is going to be michael family podcast cohen who is a, a you know a buster and a liar and a dirtbag um and also a medallion owner himself and i'm just thinking nail this guy for what you can nail him for but if you're going to go for him you better make damn sure you nail him and i must say i have my serious doubts here about this standing up in front of a judge a ju- and then a jury and then on appeals, and it just seems like a, a real dangerous thing to, uh, to to just inject into the system from a DA who has his own political concerns here, right? He got right. hit very hard after he won election. Lee Zeldin ran on throwing him out. I'm just going to boot the newly elected Manhattan DA. Chrissy, what's your read on what's going on here? Because I am worried ahead of uh, ahead of this actually happening, of course. Yeah, but well, I'm always moves. worried. But you know, we have we have a whole bunch of factors going on, right? 
one, we know that the former president loves going after Black DAs and sort of Black people in charge, oh, yeah. right? It's a very specific pathological. We know that, you know, as my grandmother used mm-hmm. to call people half a racist, he's not even half. So, like, part of his ire with Bragg is that Bragg is this, like, very educated, elite African-American, Tish James, you know, sort of a lawyer, educated, Howard Law School. You know, he has a, a specific ire for Black people in power, always has, can't do it, right? Like, in his mind, right, Jewish people are people who hold his money. Black people are the criminals. Mexicans and immigrants are the rapists. Like he's said, literally said as much. And he just puts ethnic groups in like their categories. Um, and so with black people, it's like, well, how can, you know, Bragg be in charge where he's like, he's supposed to be one of the criminals. But I think, you know, listen, Mayor Pugh from my favorite city, Baltimore. I was, when you were saying coming from, you know, the only place that matters. So that's where we do deviate just a little bit. I do think a lot of other cities matter. I am a statist and I do think that, you know, we should rank states. Um, but I do love other cities, I got to say, you know, and Baltimore's up there. Um, but, you know, she was sentenced to three years in federal prison um, on some two small counts of tax evasion over like some book that she wrote. And, you know, sort of having people buy her book with certain funds from, you know, her her coffers. Is it a huge story? No. Did she go to prison, Black woman? Absolutely. So just because it's like, well, I mean, like, he lied. It's like, we are so accustomed to this man lying, cheating, and stealing when we're actually trying to hold him accountable for lying, cheating, and stealing. It's like, are we just doing the most? It's like, no, somebody actually has to hold this man accountable. It doesn't seem like this is the biggest story of all the things, you know, the grift that he did with the Secret Service. and We paid millions of dollars, you know, to have them at his golf courses. You know, the sort of shady business with foreign entities all staying at his hotel where he's pocketing that money. The money that he and his children have made since they left office and while they were in office. The fact that he never showed his taxes. The fact that he doesn't pay taxes. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's like, well, aim for that fruit. It's like, this man has been able to bob, weave, and become Teflon Don for so long because he has these sycophants around him who will go to prison for him, as we have seen. So this case, although not ideal, it does seem like we have this man dead to rights on tape saying that he actually was on some like, let me pay you to shut up. And, you know, Michael Cohen, I'm going to write you some personal checks after the fact. So we can, you know, sort of have a little quid pro quo. This is like, it's not ideal. It's not perfect. But this seems like the the sloppiness of this particular case that Donald Trump has possibly finally misstepped. Because before he's always been able to insulate himself around these sycophants and they've been dropping like flies going to prison, federal prison at, at that. So, you know, when Bragg first came into office, I think, and we talked about this a lot on the show, you know, part of it was he also wasn't a politician. So like the media conversation was just abysmal. And so the articulation of his ideas and the rollout of his ideas was just like, oh, brother. But that doesn't mean that he's not qualified for the job. He also was very clear with Pomerantz. It's like, listen, you want to sell a book, write a book, whatever you want to do. You brought me a case that wasn't ready to rock and roll. This is the president of the United States. Like, don't have me out here. It's my name, Pomerantz, not yours. So, like, if you brought me this half-assed case and then I'm supposed to try and litigate it and it's not ready to go, so now you get to go on a media tour and sell this bootleg book, but, like, it's not ready, so I'm not doing it. And so then, of course, the Democrats and the progressives are like, ah, it's weak. Why isn't he doing it? It's like, because you guys don't have to actually start history and be the name in the history books of someone who's aimed for the former president of the United States for the first time ever and missed. So, like, he's like, let me cool my jets. This isn't a case that's that's ready to go. This case, clearly, 
if we've gotten to this point in the road where the former president is shook and tweeting and saying, mm-hmm. come to the streets, <laughs> swastika, Confederate flag waving January 6th people, like, help me, defend me, then we know that he's a little scared. Where I am curious as to whether or not they will defend him is so many people are really pissed because he said, you stormed the Capitol on my behalf on January 6th, I got you. And as they slowly but surely go to prison, not for as long as they should, but some of them are going to prison for months, if not years, he's not paying their bills. He's nowhere to be found. He's on the next grift selling coins (laughs) online, like, you know, eagle coins with his face on it. Like, so I don't know how many people are willing to possibly look at jail time because they've seen he's not going to stand up for them. So am I worried? Yes, that we're going to have the swastika Confederate flag waving folks again. Absolutely. You know, New York is still the U.S. South, as Malcolm X has pointed out several times. But I do think if Al Bragg is going to bring a case that has a remote chance of possibly holding the former president of the United States to some accountability, I have to look at his resume and his years and years of being a lawyer and know that he's not some jacklog lawyer that Donald Trump hires, where people who were like sketchy on what's in the law books, and know that he's possibly got a team around him who have thought about all the various angles legally before they bring something this important and historic and domestic and internationally relevant on a whole host of levels to the American people. I very much hope that you're right. This seems like a big corkscrewed swing to me with a zombie case that the feds had already paid on. It's like a synthesis of New York state law and federal law to try to uh, make this all work and get this to be a felony. And if, if, if this hits, Trump does seem scared about this, understandably. It's a high stakes thing. I'll be very impressed, but it's a, it's a real gamble and it is up against a uh, statute of limitations and it does not seem like a, We'll see where this goes. It's a it's a hell of an interesting play. I am very happy to see New York to this point, like calm to the point of indifferent about uh, about this thing maybe occurring. I know when Trump actually comes in, it'll be like a media circus for a day, mm-hmm. you know, ahead of an actual trial. And a trial will be a whole thing if we get to that point. But like, I'd like to think we're a real big city, and. Uh, We've been through a lot, and this can happen here, and we cannot give that much of a damn and go about our, our lives and just say, oh, that guy from Queens is, uh, you know, right. he's on the hook now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so many New Yorkers are like, is this man paying my bill? No. Okay, let's keep it moving. And, you know, some people are like, well, we've got bigger fish to fry. Sure, we have a lot of fish to fry. However, we cannot have elected leaders, especially presidents, former presidents, behave in such a manner where, you know, as my grandmother said, if you lie, you cheat. If you cheat, you steal. If you steal, you lie. They are all the same thing. This man has always been sort of the trifecta of the three. So it would be very fascinating if it if a former pornography star or what what's the proper term? I don't want to misname her. Um, uh, I, she, she's a pornographic performer, but she's gone by okay. porn star. I don't think it's okay. like a demeaning term. I'm not, a, Stormy I'm not Daniels stage. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, you know, a former if a former porn star, not all the corruption and grift, not all the people and businesses that he's left in the lurch, all the people that he refused to pay, all the contracts that he just ripped up, you know, and didn't give people uh, their fair share. It's like it would be um, just on a a schadenfreude, schadenfreude, right? 
um, little sweet, sweet revenge. But, you know, in a legal sense, I have to think that all the people in a very historic district attorney's office, even though Al Bragg is a new DA, I have to think that, like, these are some of the sharpest legal minds when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, he lied. <laughs> we got him on tape lying. We have people around him. And we're like, oh, yeah, he lied. Here's my, here are the checks that he wrote me. Here are the dates on said checks. Like, here's the account that he said it was from in this document and affidavit. Here's the account that it came from. Like, I don't understand, even though it doesn't seem like a glamorous case and it's not some big espionage and Putin and, you know, foreign entities. It's like, yeah, but he lied. And we got a former mayor of Baltimore who spent, you know, almost three years in a federal prison on some children's books because she lied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have people who have been to prison for much less. So, like, the fact that this man, just because he's been evading doesn't mean, like, oh, well, we shouldn't do it because he keeps evading. So, like, it just, you know, it would hurt his feelings if we actually went after him. It's like, so what? Like, he's Uncharted broke. Waters, right? Uncharted yeah. Waters. Well, hey, how, how, how do you think we all... They don't guess know. What, how do you think we all got here? Uncharted yeah. Waters. <laughs> so, indeed, indeed. Sometimes um, just, that's just what it be. Hey, I, yep. So, so everyone's everyone's got to jump in once for the first time, right? Right. And, <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. I was supposed to say something. <laughs> that's for the other podcast. <laughs> but I'm just saying the uh, <laughs> the, the like like the, the the sharp legal minds they don't know. Like mm-hmm. former president, presidential candidate at this level. This is all. This is all here be dragons. And, you know, if you're going to come up uh, Capone for tax evasion, let's say that's cool. Just make sure you convict him. Right. Right. I mean, listen, if you're going to shoot for this type of target, you can't miss. And I think Bragg and the DA's office is well aware that this is a gamble. But, like, listen, fortune favors the bold. Like, so many other people, I'm looking at you, Mayor Garland, right? They're too afraid to sort of do the thing. So. Here we are. This man is just continuing to lie, cheat, and steal. Ooh. Chrissy, thank you. Stakes is high. Much more to come. Uh, I believe this weekend you'll be hearing uh, Katie Honan talking about street names in New York and their histories. And then we'll be back to uh, take in all the news and gab uh, next week. Till then, everyone. Bye. Bye. F. F- FAQ. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We're headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and are a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at popula.com. Our hosts for this episode were myself, Christina Greer, and Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. And thank you so much for listening, joining us, and making it this far. Be well, be cool, be warm, and we'll be back next week for more. <laughs>